I was talking with uh, Sam and Sim earlier, and they were saying about how the leadership really feel that this is a time for prioritizing the presence of God. And I, I think that is a, a really beautiful thing, because we see that happening all around the world right now, where uh, the presence of God is an incredibly important and beautiful thing that we should all be pushing into. Hence, the reason we have set up a 24-7 prayer room upstairs is all about prioritizing the presence of God. Uh, Kim and Tracy have done a great job setting up a room, but the room is really for us to encounter Jesus, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. And so sometimes that means that we have to spend time with him. And there's an opportunity for you to pop up there straight after this and have a little look. But really, I'd, I would encourage you to uh, sign up because there's something beautiful that happens when a church commits themselves to pray and to pray nonstop. It says in Isaiah 62, we will give ourselves no rest until we see your kingdom come, until we see you move in this place. And so there's something about uh, each one of us joining in that together and calling out to God together for his presence and to see his kingdom come so uh, please do sign up Uh, it's interesting most people go in thinking I can't do an hour there's no way I can pray for an hour but actually you'll find if you engage with all the stations that have been set up there and an hour will fly by it's a a really interesting thing it's one of the things we hear the most in 24-7 prayer around the world is oh I didn't think I could pray for an hour but because if it's creative, it's a good way to do it, you know, with lots of different uh, stations. So have, have a go. It's beautiful that we as a church have a prayer room. I find it quite interesting that a lot of mo- modern church buildings, they don't have prayer rooms. It's sometimes easier to find a prayer room in a hospital or an airport than it is in a church building. And that's kind of sad. So this is a, it's great that we are prioritizing that. But I'm not here to talk about prayer. Well, kind of am, actually, because we're talking about fasting and prayer this week. And if you're following this with your small group, then uh, you'll be picking this up as we go along. But uh, this is all part of the this, this season or the, the, the thing called practicing the way. Uh, it comes from a town uh, from Portland and a church called Bridgetown, a guy called John Mark Comer. And what do we mean when we say practicing the way? Well, it's this. Following Jesus is an entire life's pursuit It's not just an event on a Sunday, but a way of life in community around the teachings of Jesus. To practice the way of Jesus is to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, to put his teachings into practice in all aspects of your life. As we live this way, we are transformed from the inside out. We believe that this kind of deep, authentic, radical change of character is possible even in the chaos of modern digital worlds. You know, through teaching, practice, community, and the Holy Spirit, we can recover our humanity in discipleship to Jesus. So practicing the way is about me wanting to be like Jesus. It's as simple as that. And so we've been looking at fasting for the last two weeks. Uh, I have the joy of just finishing this one off. And uh, fasting is incredibly important. And uh, the guys have done a really brilliant uh, exposition of where we get that and how we find that in the Word of God. In 1756, the British Isles stood on the brink of French invasion. Imagine if that had have happened. We'd all be like, mais oui, mange tout. Uh, sorry, I can't speak French, sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you're French here today, I'm really sorry if that offended you in any way. 
But, so we stood on the brink of French invasion. In the, it was in the run-up to the Seven Years' War. And King George II did something quite unusual and uh, strange. He proclaimed a solemn day of prayer and fasting in which he called the nation to petition God for deliverance. John Wesley, who was around at the time, recorded in his journal on Friday the 6th of February 1756, the fast day was a glorious day, such as London has scarce seen since the Restoration. Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness sat on every face. Surely God heareth prayer, and there will yet be a lengthening of our tranquility. John Wesley was right. The French Revolution, the French, no, the French invasion, the French Revolution did happen, but the French invasion was averted. There was something that happened when people gathered together and they, they prayed and fasted. There was a transformation in the nation. And so today when we look at the importance of fasting, it's good for us to remember once again the words of Jesus, which are these. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure, they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. Note that when Jesus says, when you fast, there was an expectation, as Sam was telling us, that the followers of Jesus would observe this practice. But we also do well to remember, it's not a command, it's an invitation. It's not a command, it's an invitation. We're invited to fast. So what is fasting? Well, we know and we've heard a little bit about it. American author Dallas Willard refers to fasting as something that confirms our utter dependence upon God by finding in him a source of sustenance beyond food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, we see that Jesus fasted. He went uh, into the wilderness for 40 days and fasted. None of us are being asked to do 40 days. We'd all waste away. But there is something deeply authentic about a fasting Christian. Someone who is willing to go to the Father and say, I need you more than food. I need you more than food. Fasting is about going without food for spiritual purposes. And the Bible is full of people who fasted. If you read your Bible, you'll see this, that Moses, the lawgiver, fasted. Hannah, the mother of Samuel, fasted. David, the shepherd king, fasted. Elijah, the prophet, fasted. Esther, the queen, fasted. Anna, the prophetess in the temple, fasted. Right through to Jesus and on to the apostles and the early church, we see that fasting was something that happened. Martin Luther, John Calvin, some of the great reformers of our faith, they fasted. Jonathan Edwards, the American revivalist who saw great things happen, fasted. John Wesley fasted. Wesley actually found fasting so important that he wouldn't ordain someone to become a minister of religion unless they fasted. It was, they saw all saw it as a significant uh, part of their faith. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of the great theologians of the 20th century, fasted. C.S. Lewis, who I know it's all about Narnia, but he was also a great Christian writer. He, he 
really did believe in fasting. And if we look at early church pioneers like Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary, or Mother Teresa, who worked in the streets of Calcutta, or even Jackie Pullinger out in Hong Kong, they all fasted. And so when I look through church history, even up until the modern day, we see that people prayed and fasted, that the two were intrinsically linked together. The discipline of fasting will hone our quiet times. It will draw us much closer to the Lord. It will enable us in helpful self-examination. And it sharpens our intercessory prayer life. But we can overly focus sometimes, I think, on developing personal gifts, spiritual gifts, healing, specific answers to prayer. But as John Wesley said about fasting, he said this, First, let it be done unto the Lord with our eye singly fixed on him when we fast we fast unto the Lord this is for you God this is for you this is not about me this is for you we don't (laughs) we don't fast to get fasting does not twist God's arm fasting indicates our hunger and seriousness for God and his kingdom and fasting and prayer, they, they kind of go together. As I've just said, if we look through the Bible, we see all these prayerful leaders that fasting and prayer go together. They're like a two-winged bird. A bird with only one wing doesn't fly quite so well. You can pray without fasting, and you can fast without praying. But when you combine the two, there's a notable amplification of your prayer life. This comes as no surprise, since fasting is a kind of praying with our bodies, When we're fasting, we're praying with our bodies. When the request of our heart is coupled with the yearning of our body, our prayer is purified of its dross and presented like a precious metal before the Father for him to do as he will. And there's two little points, really, that I think would help us in thinking about fasting as we move forward. Fasting is an aid in hearing God, but fasting is also an aid to being heard by God. It helps when we fast to discern the voice of God, to hear him. Uh, It was Freud who talked about what are the voices we swallow. By that he meant what have people spoken over your life? What do people say to you? Who do people tell you you are? What are the negative stuff that's been said to you that you've swallowed, you've taken on board? When we fast... We start to hear the voice of God. And actually, as Christians in general, we need to hear the voice of God. And God reminds us once again of who we are, that we're sons and daughters of the king, that we are forgiven, that we are healed, that we are whole, that he loves us, that he's for us, that he's not against us. And over over the years, I don't know about you, uh, for me, as I've gone through life, people have said random things to me that have stuck in my head. And they've not always been positive. And you start to swallow them and start maybe to believe them. That this is who I am, I'm a failure, you'll never do any good at that, You're, you know, you always cock up eventually, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's all this stuff that gets thrown into you, in this, that's the stuff that goes on in my head, even. You know, so, and it gets, it gets pinged into us. And really when we fast, we start to hear the voice of God more clearly, it amplifies his voice. So that we start to hear a little bit more about who we are. It sharpens our mind. It makes it easier. But it's also an aid to being heard by God. In Daniel 9 verse 3, Daniel says this. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. (laughs) 
sackcloth. Well, we're not going to go there. That's a whole new level. The sackcloth and ashes is a different, different space altogether. But story after story in church history, story after story in the Bible would show that when people are really serious about calling out to God for change, calling out to God for transformation, fasting seems to run alongside their prayers. So Daniel is in exile. He, his, him and his nation have been taken away. They're you know, in a foreign land. They're under an oppressive regime. So what does he do? They pray and they fast. And they don't instantly see the results. It's 70 years before anything happens. But we, we need to understand that fasting helps us hear God and it helps God hear us. It shows him that we are serious. It also allows him to speak into our lives. And I've had my own journey with fasting. And obviously when you preach, you're thinking, should I talk about your own journey? But the reality is we, we talk about all the other stuff we do as Christians. So I think it'd be helpful to not impress, but just to teach when it comes to fasting. My own journey in fasting really began with abstinence, abstaining from certain things. I'm not going to eat this specific. I'm not going to eat chocolate would be a good place. I love chocolate. Anyone else love chocolate? Cool. Do you know, I also have a real temp. Every time I, I, every time I go on a journey, and you need to hear this. It, well, you don't need to hear it, but I'm confessing. Every time I go on a journey, I love cust- egg custard tarts. And some people, it's a kind of take it or leave it thing, right? If you stop at a Marks and Spencer service station, they only sell two. In a, in a, so I always just buy them both. Well, obviously you can't. And, and I think I'll, I'll have one and I'll take one home. When I get out of the car, I'll put it in the fridge. And I just eat them both. And I get home, I'm just covered in crumbs in the car, like a proper, you know, sort of bloke that eats in the car. And, uh, yeah, so I, I've got these things. So sometimes I think I'll abstain from certain things. So I've abstained from certain things as I've gone along. And abstaining, really, is uh, there's some prompts for abstaining that are a bit like this. This has become too dominant in my life. Or I'm distracted by, or I do this too much. Now, custard pies have not become too dominant in my life. But when, we, when it comes to abstaining, sometimes I've realized that Instagram has become too dominant in my life. And I, I know we're talking a slightly older crowd, sorry, no disrespect. Well, no, we're all in our 50s here. Looks like it. Most, sorry. Oh, Kim, sorry. Should I? Sam wants to get up and punch me because he's like, sorry. Yeah, dig yourself out of that hole, Brian. Anyway, we're not all in our 50s. So some of you look fresh-faced and beautiful. Uh, but I'm just saying, when people get into 50s, it seems like Facebook's become the place where old people hang out. Do you know what I mean? I'm just saying. And, but it becomes like, no, seriously. And it becomes like a dominant thing. Is this something I'm do- Is this dominating my life? Am I spending more time looking at that than I am, you know, in my prayer life? Uh, for me, it's like Instagram. I know I'm trying to drop my own age down a little bit, but there's, there's actually things that I sometimes need to abstain from. How about like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to look at Facebook this week. I'm going to abstain from it. And when, instead of looking at Facebook, I would read my Bible. That would be an interesting point in abstaining that would help you grow in your personal life. Or I'm going to abstain from Instagram, or I'm going to abstain from chocolate, or coffee, or you know, all the different things that we, that we can sometimes dominate us a little bit. And so abstinence is a good beginning in the journey of fasting. And so I would just ask you to examine. You know, Jesus said, he said, where your heart is, there your treasure, where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm kind of yeah, I think that's right. But that no, is right. It is. And there's something about where, where our heart goes. Where, where, what do we treasure? And what we treasure is what we spend time with. What we treasure is what we give our time to. 
And so we just have to, you know, abstaining really helps us just think about what am I, where am I, what's my focus right now? You know, what am I focusing on? What am I looking at? Where, and so abstaining is the beginning for me in a journey of fasting. When you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in uh, Daniel chapter 1, they, they were all, as I said earlier, they were taken captivity. And they decided they didn't want to eat all the rich food. And so they were like, uh, please test your servants, it says in Daniel 1, 12 to 15. Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. That is a verse about abstinence. It's not a verse about fasting. But they decided we're not going to eat meat. I was interesting, and when you look at this, that in, I think, about the 1700s, the British government actually recommended that on certain days of the, 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 the week that people ate fish. We always think that's just a purely Catholic thing, but actually it was a government dictate. Why? Because, the fa- because everyone was just eating meat, and the fishing industry was declining. So the government started to make it important that we tried to recommend that you eat meat. It's fascinating. In Holland, they drink a lot of, in the Netherlands, they drink a lot of milk. You know, and that's because the government, once again, were like, we're, people's calcium wasn't strong, and also the dairy industry was going. So now milk is really cheap. Loads of people drink milk. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I'm going off on a segue. And that's why they introduced guinea pigs into Peru, by the way. Just last one. No, honestly, they breed really easy, and they're quite nourishing. And so, if you've got a guinea pig as a pet, I'm really sorry. But when, I, when we went to Peru, Andy Taylor took me, and they have them on a stick. You can have a guinea pig on a stick. But that was done, no, honestly, because it, it would help people to eat nutritiously. Okay, just throwing it out there. It's got nothing to do with this talk, and I feel I've wandered off topic. Abstain from guinea pigs. There we go. Something we can all do. Okay. Uh, yeah. So always when it comes to that, we have to ask ourselves in the end. So I remember being on holiday once and I felt the Lord say, Brian, you need to fast. And I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? So I got back from holiday and I did, uh, a, I remember talking to Albert about it. He said, the best thing to do is don't eat your evening meal and then don't eat uh, breakfast and lunch. Then you've got another, and you've done 24 hour fast. And I thought that's a really, really good way. Uh, I've got other friends who said, why don't you just try a 12, 12 hour fast? And so I thought, well, let's give it a go. So here's some of my uh, top tips for fasting. I've, I've really enjoyed fasting over the years. I've done one 21-day fast where it was just on water. And, and then I tried to do another 21-day fast during lockdown and got ill, not from COVID or anything, just I don't know what happened. But, you know, you've, so I've, I've been on a different journey. I've done a lot of seven-day fast, three-day fast. But the best place to start, really, is a 12-hour fast. From the time you get up, eat nothing until your evening meal. This, is, this was actually common practice in Jesus' time. People in Jesus' time probably did that twice a week. And, and if you were to look, it's also been proven relatively healthy. But this isn't just me encouraging you to take up intermittent fasting for health benefits. And I think we also have to realize and remember that there are those of us sometimes, if you're a diabetic, my father is a diabetic, he can't fast because he needs to take insulin and he needs to eat food at certain times. There are others of us as well who maybe in the past have struggled with eating issues. And I would encourage you not to think about fasting. You can, abstaining would be a much better way forward. So I, just, I think that's really important because that's why it's an invitation, not a command. 
Okay, no one should leave here today feeling guilty that they can't fast or that they don't fast. It's an invitation to a deeper walk with Jesus. So begin with a 12-hour fast. Then work your way towards the 24-hour fast. From there, you know, we found the best way, as I said, skip your evening meal, then miss breakfast and lunch, and you've done it. So the good thing about that is you eat on both days. So, you, no, seriously, you, like, you, you think, oh, I'm not going to have any tea, so you don't eat any supper or whatever. And then you wake up the next morning, you think, and at the end of the day, you think, oh, my goodness, I can't wait to eat. <laughs> and it's there before you. So it kind of helps you get through two days. Now, what do we do whilst that happens? Well, the, 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 real, the important thing is that when you should be eating, you should pray. So we're not just giving ourselves time to do more things. It, when, when we would normally be eating, we could then pray. So at lunchtime, if you were taking half an hour for lunch, you would just pop and say, I'm going to go and spend half an hour praying. And that praying could either be praying, reading your Bible, whatever, but spending time with him. So the idea isn't just that we, uh, you know, oh, that's me, I'm going to lose a bit of weight. It's actually, you can use those opportunities in the day where you prepare food, where you do stuff in the kitchen, where whatever you do, that you can use that time for, for praying. The other, the other thing that happens is every time you feel hungry, you remember to pray. One of the things we do in 24-7 prayer is sometimes we ask people, if you want to pray for someone, why don't you take a marble, put it in your pocket, every time you sit down, you feel the marble, and you think, ah, oh, it reminds me, I must pray for John. You know, because every time you sit, it reminds you. Do you know, the same thing goes with hunger. If you're intentional about your fast, every time you're hungry, you think, I must pray. That's why you might be thinking, I'm going to pray for my son, or I'm going to pray for my brother. I'm going to pray for someone who I would really love to see have a touch from Jesus right now. Every time you're hungry, if you're intentional, it reminds you to pray. I don't know about you, but you can sit down in the morning, and before you know it, your work's finished and just been busy, busy, busy. And you've not had a time to think about anything. But every time you're hungry, it reminds you just to spend a little moment in your head praying. Of course, practically, drink lots of water. And if, if you really want to be pleasant, uh, maybe suck the occasional mint. Okay? Because, like, you know, the minute you stop eating food, all the stuff in your belly starts, and you, your breath smells. Let's just be honest. Okay? Drink lots of water. Maybe a little mint tea. But <laughs> my, a friend of mine, he, he was fasting, and he decided... In, Instead of drinking water, he would drink Mars bar drinks. Right, and just say, that, that isn't fasting, because that is a meal right there, okay? Uh, another one of my weaknesses is a McDonald's milkshake. Okay, that would not be, you cannot do a fast on McDonald's milkshakes, because you'd actually put weight on, you know? And, and it's, it's a full-on sugar hit and a meal. So, you know, the water is good, but flavored water would help. I hope this isn't too practical, but I'm, I'm, I just think it's important. So if, if, we were gonna, if you were going to start this journey of fasting, 12 hours, work towards 24, but make sure you drink lots of water. Tell a friend. Tell someone. You know, that I'm, hey, I'm fasting this week. Just so that they can say, how are you doing? Are you okay? I, I remember when I got really ill the, the time during COVID. I was 14 days in, just water, and I phoned my friend up, who, who, my friend Pete, and I said, Pete, I feel really ill. And he said, Brian, go and eat something. So you just go and eat something, for goodness sake. So I did, you know. But some, because you can lose perspective sometimes when you're a little bit hungry. And people will help you. And so it's really important. And increase the lengths of your fast slowly and prayerfully. Okay. I, it would not be uncommon for most Christian leaders that I know and have worked with to say that they fast weekly. You know, I, there was a guy who used to come here. He had a son who wasn't particularly well. And he used to fast every Monday for his son and his health. You know, so it's, it's, not a, it's not an unusual or difficult thing, but if you feel that you're being called to increase that, 
do it prayerfully and thoughtfully. And here, so really, here's something that we could try probably in the next week. Let's have a look at this. Next week or two, I'm just going to put this out there. Pick a day that works for you. It's all about intentionality and thoughtfulness, but pick a day that works for you. I don't think weekends work for me. Okay, but Tuesdays tend to be quite good because I'm working at home. I'm not, I know that most Tuesdays I'm not driving anywhere. I'm not, you know, there's, there's certain days that are going to work. Okay? Uh, and if it's possible, this is another really good thing. Pick a day for you as a community to do it together or as a small group. Uh, you know, if you're doing it with someone else or your partner, if your partner's a Christian and they want to go with you on this journey, do it, do it together. So pick, pick a time where you can do it with others. And start, as I said, fast until sundown. Once the sun goes down, then eat a simple meal of gratitude, okay? Just eat a simple meal of gratitude. In the time you'd normally do all your grocery shopping, your cooking, your eating, your cleaning, give yourself to prayer this week or next week. And in your dedicated times of prayer, each time hunger pain comes, you may want to pray through like a short list of specific requests. You might have some things that you're just going to write down. This is why I'm fasting. I have some requests here for you, Lord. And, or you might just simply say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. I want to hear your voice. I want you to bring me some direction. You know, Imogen was sharing about someone who felt trapped on a roundabout. And sometimes we do feel a little bit like, what next? Where am I going? What should I be doing? Can I just say that prayer and fasting will often open up a door and show you a new way and speak to you about the way forward. And if possible, find a place where you can just sit and say, God, you know, speak to me. I'm listening. But, you know, move into that you might want to get up early and instead of eating your breakfast, you sit down and you quietly just listen to God. It could be your lunch break. Try The, the basis of finding a time and a place is to minimize distractions when we pray. And so fasting is an important and key part of what we do, but you just got to be practical with it and not frightened about talking about it. The reason Jesus was doing all his stuff, and Sam, Sam pointed this out really well, is the Pharisees made a really big deal of it. And they said, look at us, we're special. Okay, but actually, and sometimes I think that's put a little bit of the thing on the church where we don't talk about it very openly. So we can talk about it, but we're not going to be showing off about it. You know, we're just going to talk about it like normal Christians. Normal Christians fast. And so in conclusion, let's remember that we do all of this because we are trying to follow the way. And I'm going to read this again because I think it's really important that we remember this is why. Following Jesus is an entire life's pursuit. It's not just an event on a Sunday, but a way of life in community around the teachings of Jesus. To practice the way of Jesus is to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, to put his teaching into practice in all aspects of our lives. As we live this way, we are transformed from the inside out. So I hope you've found this helpful these last three weeks on fasting. We've not wanted to put it as a weight on you, but it is a helpful and valid spiritual discipline that each one of us, as we seek to follow the way of Jesus, should be attempting to grow in. So I'm just going to pray, if that's okay. Yeah. Father, I thank you that you are always calling us into your presence, that you're always calling us to know you more that you want to speak to us and you love to hear our voice. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church as we seek to grow in practicing the way, in walking in the way of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you'd help each one of us to find the, the space and the place for fasting in our lives. In Jesus' name.
Amen.